Spoilers, spoilers, spoiler season with us. New cards! Hi, and welcome to episode 6 of Spoiler Season for Hour of Devastation. As usual, we're brought to you by Flipside Gaming. Check them out at flipsidegaming.com and New England Comics at NEC Coolidge Facebook. Get some. So, we're going to start today with the cycle of uncommon painland deserts. Yeah, we are. These all have the same first two lines of text. You can tap them to add a colorless mana, or you can tap pay a life and get whatever the color is of the desert. So the white one makes a white mana, the green one makes a green mana. And then they all have some pay a mana cost, tap, sack a desert clause that gives you some benefit. Yeah, so uh, let's go through those. Um, The green one is Hashep Oasis. You can pay green, green one and tap it and sack a desert and target creature you control. I'm sorry, not you control. It can be any creature. You can pump an opposing creature if you want to. Why not? Why not? Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. Then we have Ramunap Ruins. This is the red one. You can pay red, red two, tap it, sacrifice a desert. Ramunap Ruins deals two damage to each opponent. Then we've got the black one, which is Ifnir Deadlands. Uh, you can pay black, black two, tap, sack a desert. Put two minus one, minus one counters on target creature and opponent controls. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. The blue one is Ipnu Rivulet. This is blue or one. Rivulet, ta- like a baby river. What? R- rivulet. Rivulet? Rivulet. That's just a wrong pronunciation of a word. <laughs> I like it. It's like saying, oh, if near Deadlands, could just be Deadles. Oh, that would be Deadles. cuter, though. Little baby Deadles. <laughs> then, and then, like, arguing that's, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's Rivulet. R- rivulet. Okay, Rivulet. So the blue one, the Rivulet. The blue, the Rivulet. Uh, you pay blue one, tap it, sack a desert target player, puts the top four cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And the white one is Shepet Dunes. You pay white, white two and tap it to sack it and sack a desert. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Activate its ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. Yeah, so a couple things to point out about these. Very nice that they enter untapped, so you can immediately use them for colorless or the color that you need the turn they come down. Hype, hype. Hype, hype. Secondly, when you go to sack a desert, you can sack itself, or if you have other deserts in your deck and on the field, you could sack a different desert. Um, Even so, there if, is so a, I just have one in my deck. I can sack one no, out of no, my deck. No, no, it has to be on the field. On the Why field. can't I? Well, I mean, you sack, sack one out of my deck. You can, no, no. It has to be a permanent that you control on the field. Fine. Yeah. That's just how magic works. Does that have to be a permanent I own? Yeah, you can't sack your oh, opponent's oh, land. Can I not them. take control of my opponent's land and sack it? Bam! Yeah, that would make these all excellent. Um, uh, no, you could take control of an opponent's land via some other means. And okay, then, well. Here's what happens. Ready? So. Your opponent awakens a desert with a Battle for Zendikar Awaken spell. I cast Confiscation Coup on that desert, and now I own it. Then you sack it. it. Then I sack it, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that corner case, you could sack your opponent's desert. But in most cases, you're sacking your own land. Um, But as usual with these sort of um, value lands, what are they called? Utility lands. Utility Utility lands. You get utility. Yes. Um... If you can afford to put it in, it's just upside in the late game, right? Like, the abilities don't have to be great because you can just sub it in a deck. And these are great because they serve colorless. So if you want to throw some Eldrazi in there, remember, those You're are still literally, standard. So for those who don't know, like, we already recorded this once and we screwed up. So we had to do the whole thing over again. 
Katie is taking all of my points. Yeah, they were great. These were literally like, I said all of these things, and you're stealing them off. I'm really hurt by that. You're stealing my content. Yeah, but people will think I'm clever. <laughs> I mean, people already think you're clever, Katie. Oh, you think? You're the, Let you're us the know if you think I'm Katie, clever. The cleverest the cl- little Katie. I'm, I'm a big Katie. I believe you. All right, so that was weird. But for Eldrazi, as you were saying, yeah, the best Eldrazi... Eldrazi Displacer. As I like to call him, Blinky McBlinkerson. Okay? Now, Blinky McBlinkerson hasn't been seeing a whole lot of center play recently. Not since Tragic. the Reflector Mage ban killed the Panharmonicon deck. Yeah. Okay? But now, you know, people have been struggling. Struggling a little bit. Get that colorless mana into their decks. Uh, mana couldn't, you know, base couldn't support it. But now it can. Now it can. Because these lands... For a limited time only. For a limited time only. You can get colorless mana for the cost a cheap cost because you're paying only a life to make the color. Um, and I, I think the other thing to note is that the power level on these cards varies pretty dramatically, right? The blue one, you're paying two mana and sacking a land to mill four. That is not Yeah. That is not good. It, it seems pretty questionable. I have to say though, the one place where I could see this perhaps being playable in standard is in some sort of deck that does actually want to put cards in a graveyard. So what comes to mind is the blue red slash blue black like zombie emerge deck that had been running around because sometimes you're just desperate to be able to discard some amalgams into the graveyard or i mean this isn't yeah. discard but to put some creatures in the graveyard and, and i really want to emphasize too if you don't care too much about your life total this is you know basically just like a better island like sure right. there's going to be other things going on like uh, you know, you can't reveal it to Foreboding Ruins. It doesn't count for a basic when you're playing the BFZ lands. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fetch it with Evolving Wilds. But, like, if you're not overly concerned about those things, um, then the utility on these lands is, like, pure upside for the small downside of one life, uh, which is not a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that you, if you're on Blue-Red Emerge, I would probably slide a couple of these in in place of Islands because... Uh, in the late game, sometimes you run out of action, particularly if you don't have the fever visions out. And this is a nice way to kind of desperately try to refuel and get some action in the graveyard. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it. I like it. Um, I think that the best two lands here are the white and the black. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that If Near Deadlands is like very similar to Blighted Fen. Uh, it feels less powerful because it can't kill things that are as strong. But uh, at the same time, it can also, uh, you get to choose what creature you're putting it on. So it doesn't have to just be like, oh, they only have one creature out. We get to kill it with uh, Blighted Fun. So I think if you're in a black deck, uh, this card probably gets in. Uh, the white card in a uh, white land in a going wide deck, something with maybe a Ketra's Monument, feels very strong. Or the uh, you know the white tokens deck with the procession. Yeah, yeah, it's been floating around. So I think white and black are my favorite. I think the red and green are fine. I think that like if you can afford and you're okay with playing these like go ahead and play it sometimes you'll get something out of it yeah cool. in two-headed giant uh i like the red one the best it's just uh four damage to the face yeah which is is really nice yeah because two-headed giant each. can get real crowded on the board yes i can um so i, I would sneeze i thought i had a sneeze yeah. um so our next card is maw of chaos this is red red five for a 6-6, six, six, when it enters the battlefield, it deals 3 damage to each other creature. So this is sort of a very expensive Sweltering Suns with a 6-6 six, six body attached to it. Uh, unfortunately... That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, but... Um, it's just like, 
it's is just, bad. Right. I mean, because the, the thing about sweltering suns is you can cast it early, which is usually when you're dying from three toughness creatures. Right. And sometimes even that's too late if you're playing against zombies. <laughs> um, right. Everything has a lord. and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this card's bad. Seven mana for 6-6 six, six is not a good rate, and deal three damage to everything is not a good rate for a seven mana spell. Right. Um, in limited, I like it. In oh, limited, this totally. is really strong. This will actually, Beast. even on turn seven, this will still take out a lot of creatures. Um, and a six six is good. A six yeah. six for seven is it's fine. A substantial it's good. body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally on board in limited. Now, Katie, you could play this with Panharmonicon, and then it would be a board wipe attached to a six six. Yeah. Um, you know, in that mono red Panharmonicon deck floating around. Uh huh. Yeah, that list. Everyone yeah. knows about it. Everyone's it has on it these cards days. and Panharmonicon. <laughs> Actually, like, you could describe most Panharmonicon decks as, as cards. They have cards <laughs> and Panharmonicon, right? Yeah, well, it'd, it'd probably be Glintness Crane cards and Panharmonicon because you know yeah. that you need yeah. Glintness Crane Gotta to have a little bit more consistency. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, plus, like, those 1 3 beats. Don't forget Blinky McBlinkerson. Oh, yeah. He's totally in there. All right, He's so... He's totally in the Panharmonicon Panharmonicon is That's now... another card you're guaranteed to be running in the Panharmonicon. All right, so it's red, blue, and white. If you're running Blinky, this board wipe creature, and... Blinky Clint McBlinkerson, Nest. okay? He doesn't really like it when you get too casual with his name. Okay. My bad, my bad. So just call him Blinky. Blinky McBlinkerson. Okay. So our next card is uh, Imminent Doom. Imminent Doom. That was a uh, okay. Go ahead. Well, you didn't read you it. Take scary. It. Yeah, you, might, you like, take it away. Bolas is flying over the city. It is experiencing destruction. Doom is imminent. This mm-hmm. is a scary moment. I mean, it's funny because imminent doom. You think like, oh my gosh, something is going to happen. Like doom is going to happen really quickly. Not so much. This, with this card, card, like the flavor, doesn't match. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but it's sort of. What it does the card feels, do? Yeah. Let's read, read it, it and then we can talk about it. It's a red two for an enchantment. Imminent doom enters the battlefield with a doom counter on it. Whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost equal to the number of doom counters on imminent doom, imminent doom deals that much damage to target creature or player. Then put a doom counter on imminent doom. Wow. Wow. Yes. So this feels to me like the ticking up of the hours, like the doom is approaching. It's getting bigger and bigger. But it's not imminent then. It's like slowly approaching doom. Yes. But imminent, like you can't avoid it. Sure. It's It's unavoidable. So even if you counter the spell. But here's the other thing is like you kind of can't avoid it because it's just a bad card. (laughs) So like they're going to die before they kill you. Here's, I've got the shell for it though. Okay. Okay. Season pass. Cast right. season passed, all right, on turn like 10, turn 9, maybe, let's say. Uh, then you bring back all your spells. Okay, next turn you cast a 1 drop, a 2 drop, a 3 drop, and if you can believe it, a 4 drop. And when you do that, they take 10 damage. And you get to cast damage. 4 spells. You get to cast 4 spells. So, yeah, this, this card is, uh, this is like the janky red enchantment we get every set. It's really bad. Uh, this card is not good. You shouldn't play it. People will probably try to build decks around it, and then they'll feel bad about themselves, as they should, because the card is bad. Um, I can just see, though, too, you know, like, someone's got their, like, tier white X standard deck. Someone else bringing, you know, their janky imminent doom deck, like, post-board, just bringing Solemnity. Just like casually ruin their already <laughs> terrible deck. 
because solemnity shuts off counters. Right. So then this card yeah. actually does nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, it which really to does be fair before. is not. I was gonna say it's not much yeah. of a step down from where it is. Yeah. Um, and again, in limited. Uh, don't play this. Yeah, this don't, is so bad. Don't, don't play, play this. All right. Uh, we have our green hour. This is the hour of promise. Beautiful. It is. It's actually, if you look up the art, it's the locust god, and the the sun is shining behind his wings, and there are these locusts flying around, and they're colorful, and it's, it's the planet for GB Toronto. Oh, so. Right, you want to go to GB Toronto now? A, a little. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's limited. Um, limited. So. Oh well. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Min was here, he'd slap you right now. Well, he's a very nice person, so he wouldn't do that, but he would stand up for a little bit. He would chide you. Chide. Would, I'll be Min, ready? Oh, Katie, come on, Katie. Come on, Katie. Limited is a good format. You you enjoy it, right? You like picking your cards. It's fun. That's perfect. Yeah. It's fun. That's exactly, yeah. That's a real scale down from yeah. slap. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the green hour, hour of promise, is green four for sorcery. Search your library for up to two lands, any kind of land, could be deserts, could be basic, whatever. Uh, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. Then, if you control three or more deserts, create two, two, two black zombie creature tokens. Mm. Mm. So yes. it's ramp on turn five. It gets you to seven. It, yep. Yep, it does. Uh, in fact, if you get two... Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. It gets you all the way to 10. Ulamog. Yeah. Um, but here's what I don't like about the card. Yeah. Okay. So what, here's what I do like about the card. All right. I'll tell you what I do like. Okay. Art is pretty decent. All right. Okay. Strong. Second thing I like about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I like that it, I like zombies. Okay. I, you do? You well, don't even play zombies. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I like the zombie deck. I mean, I do because I have a good matchup against it, as I said oh. last time. I like zombies because I've won a lot of games with zombie tokens off <laughs> Liliana Ultimates and Oath of Liliana Triggers. Yeah, it's a, zombies are fun. And they've hung out with I, But I, To be honest, here's the thing. The real reason I like zombies is because I get to play with my foil Eldritch Moon shiny zombies that have hats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ones and that zombies slip. with hats are strictly better, I think, than zombies without hats. Well, I... Especially if they're foil. That's true. I mean, so zombies that are foil are just strictly better than all zombies that are not foil, yeah. regardless of the art. Yeah. Um, but I really like to play one zombie on either side, on the hat oh. side and the non-hat side. I respect I like, that. You like yeah. diversity in your zombies. Each zombie is its unique zombie snowflake. Oh, that's nice. Until you get to more than two. And then, and then they're not. And then they're not. <laughs> yeah, I gotta pick. I gotta pick their size. Um, so I think that this card at five mana, uh, this is... Kind of nestled between two other ramp cards that have seen play in standard. Nestled. Uh, nestled nicely. <laughs> An hour of promise. Uh, uh, yeah, it sounds really hopeful yeah. for a set that is all about destruction. Yeah. Even the flavor text. With Hecma Breach and his protection removed, the deserts slept in. And then, like, the Locust God is rocking everything with Locust. So, yeah. not quite sure what, What's you know, so how this is ramping. What's so about this hour, but... Um, but anyways, uh, it's nestled between explosive vegetation... Which was four mana, got you two lands, and provided no other value. So no zombies or life or anything. And uh, Nissa's Renewal, which is six mana, so one mana more, gets you three lands, so an additional land, and gives you seven life. Okay? So here, I, I think that this card is in the awkward spot where I think it's worse than both of those. Because if you want to ramp, um, you're trying to get up to a high land count, and at five mana, you're already doing pretty okay. 
Um, I think Explosive Vegetation was kind of a sweet spot for a lot of decks because it brought them to the magic number of seven. Um, and there's a lot of targets in the deck, uh, in ramp decks. Seven is, is where I think the threats start to become very powerful. World Breaker, um, for example, is something that, that they cast a lot. Uh, at five mana, this brings you, uh, you know, five, six, seven. The next time you play a land, it brings you to eight. Um, or 10 if you have Ulmog, um, because this does get you any kind of land. So maybe this ends up seeing playing ramp decks because of that ability to get non-basic lands, uh, which the other cards don't let you do. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that's the biggest appeal of it, uh, because then for one mana more, you can play Nissus Renewal. And I think two, two, two black zombies in a ramp deck probably is about similar value to gaining seven life, um, and therefore why not just play the card that gets you an, an additional land. Yeah, because um, the, the zombies are probably just there as chump blockers. You're, yeah. you're not keeping the board clear, so two two black zombies on turn five are not gonna yeah. be attacking. But I do think that uh, maybe you get to create a ramp deck now that is able to run Ulamog, maybe Kozilek, uh, or just the big Eldrazi running things like Oblivion Sower or um, what's it, World Breaker. Because if you're running those, you can actually, like, getting two Shrine of the Forsaken Gods is, like, a real thing. Like, it ramps you up really fast unless you cast colorless threats. So, uh, this is a possibility for a ramp deck. Do you think we'll see a ramp deck? I mean, you just mentioned two other ramp cards we have. We have a couple new mana dorks. Yeah, I think, honestly, the thing that's stopping ramp decks from uh, being super playable is Mardu Vehicles. Because Mardu uh. Vehicles is just so aggressive and get them so much damage that if they're like you know applying all this pressure and then you get to go turn four turn five uh you get to cast a seven drop they just cast unlicensed disintegration and you take three damage and then you die to their attack the next mm. turn right like it's i, I think pretty bad I, I think that it's a little bit awkward um i think that um but like to be fair marvel was banned somewhat recently we, the, there hasn't been like a big gp or a pro tour to kind of shake the format out yet so it could be that there's a blue green ramp deck um that has a lot of x spells in it like nissa or mm. altered eco um yeah or it Walking does look Ballista. like it would be blue green like definitely yeah green, you have obviously. bounty of the Luxa sale like bounty of the Luxa is really yeah. good um so and the hoopo i don't remember what that one does hoopo? i think you can pay mana to draw cards I honestly remember nothing. It's the bird, and the, there's card. the bloody river, and it's like blue green something. And oh, that doesn't go in a ramp deck. <laughs> oh, but you can pay me. No, it's a two cards. mana one three. <laughs> it's blue no, and green. You, no, 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 no. <laughs> you put mana dorks and big threats in ramp decks, right. not birds that you pay five mana to draw cards. <laughs> Does the uh, is it blue green one one three the... flying, and you pay blue green three, yeah. gain two life, and draw a card. What about the ramp? creature that makes two colorless mana uh weaver of currents yeah uh it's possible like the problem that these the problem is if you think back to the last time we had a ramp deck back when battle for zendikar was um the, i mean it still isn't the format <laughs> back when explosive vegetation was still in the format right we had um nissa's pilgrimage and we had explosive vegetation which were non-creature sources of ramp um even like rune in their wake you had that's actually still in standard but i think that having non-creature sources of ramp is important because there's so much removal right or removal yeah. is plentiful enough right now that i think running creature based ramp is kind of a dangerous proposition because they're going to be able to just slow you down enough that you'll probably die before you can can get to your big threats and maybe you'll resolve one or two they'll kill it and then you're gonna die yeah so i don't know i think it's interesting though the this prompt this hour cycle so far where the white one very good uh the black one very bad and the green one 
very niche. <laughs> wants to be uh-huh. in a, a very specific. It wants to be in a ramp deck. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the blue and red ones uh, will look like. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, Kitty, what's our next card? Our next card is Endless Sands. This is a desert that you can tap to make colorless mana. And you can pay two, tap it to exile target creature you control. And you can pay four, tap, sack Endless Sands, return each creature card exiled with Endless Sands to the battlefield under its opponent's, its owner's control. Oh my gosh. Owner's control. Imagine, yeah, if you turn it under <laughs> Just uh, give your, your opponent, opponent all your creatures. Be terrible. Yeah. Uh, I really like this card. Um, I think that this card is going to be underrated for constructed by a lot of people. Um, but I think this will end up seeing play and be very irritating to play against. Uh, here's why. Uh, my first kind of go-to for where this card uh, would be, I'd be happy to play it in, would be Blu-ray Control. Because the ability to protect your Torrential Gear Hulk with a land and not a spell, you are not losing card advantage this way, uh, is incredible. Mm. Uh, the fact that this is on a land. You can keep up the mana and you can protect your Gear Hulk and not bend a counter spell doing it. Um, so you're able to play the Gear Hulk, get some value, start swinging. If they try to kill it, you exile it. And then you get to just bring it back. Which means you get its ETB all over again. Um, you can ambush something in combat. Uh, it's, and it makes it so that like if you have the four mana up, your opponent has to watch out for Gear Hulk returning. So I like it in that deck. Second deck I like it in is more of a grindy deck, uh, like mid-range deck, where you can use this as a counter spell to removal, protect your creatures. And then the moment you have two things exiled, this becomes a pain to play around. Because if your opponent has four mana plus this up, you can't really attack well because they could bring their creatures back. Um, and then if you know you don't attack them, they don't have to use this, that means they're able to spend their mana doing something different, maybe killing your threats. Uh, and doing exiling anything with ETBs and being like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you tried to kill my Gaunti or my Regal Caracal, uh, and you get to exile it and then bring it back at instant speed, and all of a sudden I have two more cats, plus all my cats get pumped. Uh, like, these kinds of things are all pretty strong, um, and... That's why I'm optimistic about this card seeing play. I think, like, upon first reading, the card is kind of odd. Uh, and especially, like, I don't know, if you're a, kind of a newer player to the game, exiling your own creatures seems like a weird thing to want to do, especially for two mana and on a land. Uh, but I think that this is a really nice utility land. This is something where if you can afford to put it into your deck and you're running creatures, I think that you do. I think that this is similar to Westvale Abbey when it first came out, where... Pretty much all the decks were just jamming some number of them in if they could support it in their mana base. Um, so yeah, I, I like this card, uh, and I, I believe that it will see constructed play and that it will be underrated for a while. Yeah. I think it just takes like once playing with or against this card to recognize that it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just still skeptical because it's so expensive, right? For you to exile your own creature, it's basically three mana, two other mana, and this. And... Um, Bringing it back, you're spending five mana, right? Four other, and tapping this, and you're going down a land. So I realize that these are late game plays and late game value, and it's attached to a land, so you're not losing card advantage, which is huge. And re-triggering ETBs is also great, but it just seems like slow or clunky or no, expensive. it's all upside and flexibility. This, if you can afford it, that's like saying, oh, like. Westville Abbey is so expensive to make a 1-1 with. It doesn't seem... And you have to pay the life. Like, oh, that just doesn't seem worth it. No. 
this is a this is a land, so it makes mana, and that's what you can use it for. And it has the flexibility of doing something really, really powerful. The ability to exile your stuff at instant speed, protect it from removal. If you if you protect like one or two creatures from removal with this, and then bring them back, you are now up on cards. Yeah. Um, I I think just like I think that the ability to have these effects at your disposal without using up a card that you have to like draw and cast a spell is really strong. I think abilities on lands tend to be underrated uh, because people aren't considering the fact that, oh, like they, they make mana, they're just lands, and then they also have this really great uh, flexibility and utility to them as well. All right. I'll, I'll have to see a play. I, I think it's very I could be exciting. totally wrong. I could be totally yeah. wrong. This land might see zero play and be terrible. I, I think it'll be good. Would you play it in limited? In limited? Uh, yeah, I would. I would play this card in limited because I think that in limited, uh, particularly sealed, where games are going to go a little bit longer, um, this makes it so uh, that... And, and again, sorry, both for limited and constructed, this goes back to something that we kind of talk about during a couple other cards too, where... If you have two mana in this card up, your opponent's not going to even want to cast their removal spells unless they're trying to do it like as a tempo play where they think they can kill you before you can get full value. Because this is just protection. Like this is you have an onboard trick to protect your creature from removal. So yeah, I would definitely play this unlimited, particularly where like you know unless I'm running like a three color deck. Uh, if I'm just in a normal two color deck, uh, <laughs> normal two color yeah, deck. normal two color deck. Like I'm happy to run one colorless land and get some advantage out of it. We saw people running you know, Grasping Dunes or the Zombie Maker Desert in uh, Amonkhet, and I think that this card is is better. So, yeah, I'm optimistic it'll see play. Yeah. yeah. Our right, next card is Ritual of Razaketh. This is Black Black 3, Sorcery. Search your library for a card and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library, and you can cycle it for a single black mana. What do you think, Katie? So, obviously, this looks very similar to... Diabolic Tutor. Diabolic Tutor. I was going to call it... Some, something else? <laughs> Some other tutor? the other one? Demonic, Demonic tutor. tutor? Ooh, ooh, that's a good yeah. card. Uh, Diabolic Tutor. Uh, Diabolic Tutor is black, black, two, sorcery speed, do the same thing, does not have cycling. So basically here, the question is, do you value the cycling so much that the effect is worth an extra mana? And the answer here is yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think it is. I like the card. Um, because like what you saw, so the reason that Diabolic Tutor has seen zero standard play (laughs) and like usually sees zero standard play, um, is because drawing them early early is really awkward. So, but you also tend to want to run a, like a non one number of them, uh, because you want, yeah, or else like, what's the point of having a toolbox card, right? Like you see Traverse the Oldenwald. Traverse the Oldenwald is a fantastic magic card. Uh, it gets you lands early, it gets you threats late, and it does it for a single mana. It's like a green sun zenith. Like, it's incredible. Um, Whereas Diabolic Tutor is dead early, is kind of dead even in the mid-game, and you really kind of just want it late, right? Right. So uh, I think that Dark Petition um, solved the problem of tutors by making it so it really only put you down two mana. Because this ensured you wouldn't be able to cast it uh, in the early game, because it realistically costs five, but in the mid-game, you're now able to use the card, right? You can cast it for five, and then cast a ruinous path and kill a creature, and you're good. Um, This card also solves the problem because you can just cycle it. Um, And 
I think that putting cycling on a tutor is is really nice. And I don't think that the five mana uh, for a tutor is significantly different than four mana. Um, because right, because you're casting them both. In yeah, the late you're going to cast anyway. them at similar points, um, and really, it's just about the cycling. It's about what can you do with this card if you draw it at an awkward time in the earlier mid game, and uh, this I think gives you something to do with it. Yeah. What What kind of deck wants a, a card like this? Like a black white control deck kind of thing? Is that what's looking for tutors to be more consistent and get its answers? Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is seasons past. Uh, because that you get the cycle going where you get to go cast seasons pass, bring the tutor to your hand, tutor for seasons pass, cast it and you know loop it like that. Okay. Um, Dark petition was better because it you know it only costs two mana in effect yeah. um, to use, but uh, seasons pass might like it. And I think once traverse leaves, then maybe you see this. You start to see this in in decks with some diverse threats. You see it in like you know the delirium deck is able to do things like run one Noxious Gearhulk, run, run one, one or two Ishkana, Ishkana right? Yeah. Whereas normally you can't get away with that because your deck is inconsistent. Right, you'll never see that card that exactly. you really, really need sometimes. So if you're looking, if you're in kind of a mid-range value engine, uh, then this card might be decent. Even in a control deck, if you have a diverse set of threats and a diverse set of answers, sometimes you'll need a particular answer at a particular time. <clears throat> Again, Dark Petition was better because <laughs> it could cast that answer at the same time as you cast Petition. Um, so I'm not saying I think this card is awesome and I think it will definitely see standard play. What I am saying is it's significantly better than Diabolic Tutor, um, and, and worse than Dark Petition. Okay. So we have a, an upper and lower bound. There you go. Uh, so our next card is, uh, I think Sphinx Tribal, right, Kate? Yeah, th this is for all your, uh, Sphinx Tribal decks, which is obviously going to be so good. We have, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, seven mana Sphinx that reduces the cost of other Sphinx. Nesh, I believe. Yeah, so uh, this is normally blue-blue three, five mana total, but with that uh, mana reduction on the seven it's mana blue, space. It's blue-blue one. Yeah. Let's go. So uh, it's a four-four flyer, and whenever you cycle or discard a card, target creature and opponent controls gets minus two, minus oh until end of turn. So uh, I don't think it's a constructive card. Like the two yeah. decks that do a lot of discarding and cycling are blue-red emerge and new perspectives. And neither of those cards has use for 4-4 four, four flyer for 5 mana. Yeah. Uh, in limited, uh, it's a really good card. Uh, the fact that it's uncommon is impressive. Um, mm -hmm. I think that 5 mana for 4-4 four, four flyer is good in and of itself. Would play. Oh, yeah. It's like it's going to beat Absolutely. most other things in the air. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really good clock. And the cycling discarding clause is really nice. Uh, because we saw with like Horror of the Broken Lands that the ability to cycle stuff at instant speed like totally screwed up combat all yeah. the time, right? If people have up some mana and a couple cards in hand, you, ju you just never know what they have. And yeah. if you see them, like, because I played against an opponent who had something that allowed them to get cards back from their graveyard, so I saw them take cards back from their graveyard that they could cycle for one mana. Yeah, so whenever they had one, Yeah, so if they had one mana open, I couldn't effectively block. It was yeah. so frustrating. So... So yeah, so cards like this can can get you more value than you expect, and if you can't turn on that clause, it's still a four four flyer. Oh yeah, yeah, the base case is really good. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of this card. Totally. Uh, next we have a split card. We have Consign to Oblivion. So this is blue one instant Consign. This is the front side. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. And Oblivion is the aftermath side. This is black four sorcery. Target opponent discards two cards. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm For seven impressed. mana, you get to bounce something and make them discard it. 
Yeah. yeah. Or you could do them one at a time. You could also... So I, I'm not excited about the first part. Um, it's it's a tempo play, but it puts you down a card. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, tempo plays usually do put you a little bit down a card advantage. Yeah, unless there are things like Reflector Mage and they're attached to a body where you get a creature and they can't replay that spell for a turn and you're bouncing yeah. something. Yeah. Of course, there was... The very minor downside to Reflector Rage, where you had to bounce something if there was a target, and sometimes if they had something with an ETB and that was the only thing on board, then you didn't really want to cast a Reflector Mage, but... That's fair. Um, it usually just felt really good, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Reflector, I mean, <laughs> god <band. laughs> Um Yeah, these, these bounce spells, we've had so many of these over the last, like, one to two years, and none of them have seen Slander play. The closest yeah. card uh, that... that did was unsubstantiate because it also bounced spells and people were like oh it's similar to remand but no it's not remand draws you a card uh, that unsubstantiate does not um, these cards are not good in standard um, you you need like a really i don't even know like you need some kind of like jeskai or like blue red tempo shell with prowess that really gets value out of a spell that temporarily bounces into their hand such that like the game's going to be over and they're going to have a bunch of cards left in their hand and you're not uh, because then you kind of built virtual card advantage even though you've gone down on real card advantage right uh, but otherwise this card's not good um, yeah. in limited these cards sometimes see play um, when you're in blue and don't really have access to a lot of removal this can let you kind of clear the way for a blocker and it gives you some protection for removal spells as well on some of the Right, because it, it doesn't say that you have to target your opponent's creature. So if you want to re-trigger your ETBs, you could bounce your own creature. You know, in the late game, if you draw this and you have a big thing out and it's like not able to get through, you could bounce it, replay it for whatever value it has when it comes down. Yeah, and Maybe. I think that second mode of like countering a removal spell... Uh, is is really good because uh, it's yeah. kind of one for one them and then it, like you said if they have an etb it provides more value yeah. the aftermath side again like yes the aftermath side is pure upside because it, you don't have to cast it but this is a particularly bad one um on turn five your opponent's not usually going to have I, like turn five at the earliest it's not usually going to have all that many cards in hand um, it can be a nice way to like clear out. Maybe they're holding some trick or removal spell. Like it's yeah. a nice way to kind of clear this out. If or you maybe they're sandbagging kill. lands. Exactly. Uh, so I'm not super excited about the backside um, and the front side. I'm also not thrilled about. But you'll you like depending on what colors you're in. If you're in a combination that doesn't have a lot of removal or doesn't have a lot of tricks, unsubstantiate. Uh, sorry, not unsubstantiate. Consign uh, is going to probably be something that you put in your deck because. Uh, you don't have better options. So uh, our last card of the night is Hollow One. This is five mana for a 4-4 artifact creature Golem. Hollow One costs two less to cast for each card you've cycled or discarded this turn, and it cycles itself for two mana. Any uh, thoughts on this one, Katie? So I think I would play this in limited. 4-4 four, four body is fine um two to cycle you know there's enough random cards that have upside if you cycle and if you draw this early and you can't play it you know you can cycle it away um yeah the kind of it's going to be weird because in limited most of the cyclers cost one or two to which cycle means, yeah to cycle which means you're going to be paying one or two mana and then reducing this by two so really what it's going to allow you to yeah. do is like multiple things in a turn where you're going to be able to cycle and then maybe reduce, if you pay one mana to cycle, then it reduces the cost of this by one. Uh, and you get to play it, you know, for four mana. So you're still kind of casting it on turn five, 
Um, or sorry, you'd be casting it for three mana. So you're still casting it on turn five often. Maybe sometimes you can get down to like turn four. But, uh, you know, it's reasonable in limited. Yeah. Um, it, and it's very fun. It's not like I wouldn't be stoked about no. it. No. It is better in a deck with a lot of cycling, of course. But Right. And you know the nice thing is it's colorless. It's not going to strain your mana base. And um, yeah. Yeah. In Constructed, uh, I, I can think of like two places. So, well, three. New Perspectives doesn't want this. New Perspectives is no use for a zero mana 4-4 four, four, yeah. uh, because that's just not what it's trying to do. Um, the Blue-Red Emerge deck, this is a weird card because on the one hand, on turn three, you get to go Cathartic Reunion. This goes down to costing one mana and you get to go Cathartic Reunion plus cast this on turn three, which is really nice. Mm. Um, and then on turn four, you get to emerge off of this. Uh, so, you know, turn four is the normal turn you emerge. Um, and so it's nice to kind of be able to do multiple things in turn, but I just don't think this is better than the, uh, blue creature we looked at earlier, the three drop. Right. That, that when it enters, you draw cards equal to its power and then yeah, discard and then two. Discard them. Like, I don't, I, it feels like that card is better. It has an ETB. It provides value later with its eternalize. Whereas this thing is just a vanilla four, four and like, right. yeah, you can cast it for cheap sometimes, but it doesn't do much more than that. So I don't, I'm not too excited about it in there. Yeah. You're not happy when you cast it. You're not happy when it dies. You're just like, okay, cool. I got this out for yeah. a little cheaper. Uh, cheap and then the, the last system. place is Living End and Modern. Um, we'll often be able to cast this for like zero to one mana. Um, but even then, I don't I don't know that Living End wants a zero mana 4-4. Four, four. Like, I, don't, I just don't, I don't, it's not really in line with what their game plan is doing. It doesn't synergize with Living End at all. Like, sure, it cycles itself for two mana, which is too much. Um, so I, I'm just going to say this probably doesn't see a, a whole lot of play. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our uh, episode six we're on, right? So we have uh, two more days of uh, kind of these small spoilers, and then the big dump happens on Friday. Uh, so we're still waiting on a couple things. We're a couple of mythics. We're waiting on the blue and red hours. We're waiting on the... Um, Kefnet's... Oh, blue last. and red last as well. Kefnet and Hazaret's oh. last whatever. So those those should be fun to review, and I'm sure there's a couple more good ones uh, in here. Um, yeah. So that's going to be it for tonight. Once again, thank you to Flipside Gaming at flipsidegaming.com and New England Comics at NEC Coolidge uh, on Facebook and for their, their support of us. And with that, I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And this is Spoiler, Spoiler Season. season. There's a poor.